0: In the book of Acts, of the Apostles, it talked about the day of Pentecost, the day when the when the apostles and all the disciples of Jesus were supposed to wait in the upper room until they received power from the Holy Spirit. He says, and then you'll be My witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judah, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So they waited, and it says on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and it says "And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So, when we go to Acts chapter 4, when Peter was on trial, in verse 7, Acts 4 7, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And verse 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. It makes the notice that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. In the same chapter 4, after they were threatened to not speak in the name of Jesus, in verse 29 it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of Jesus, your holy servant Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they had assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness and the beginning of the society of the church and their love for each other and being of one heart and one soul. But it keeps on mentioning, and we're going to touch on a few more, this statement, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. After they had prayed, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We say, well, wait a minute. Didn't that happen on Pentecost? Why is it making mention of it again? We've talked about this before, but there's a reason why I bring it up again and again. Because there's a message in this. That the people that were filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, it makes mention after they prayed they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. Later on in chapter 6 it says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And then yet later, when he was on trial, that would be later in the same chapter 6, it says that when Stephen was on trial, it says that Stephen began to speak them, being Stephen being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a certain condition that is mentioned. It's controversial. And a lot of people do a lot of strange things with it. But yet we want to keep our feet on the ground and yet understand the message in this. They prayed for boldness and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word with great boldness. It mentions later in the book of Acts that the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1 it talks about the prophet Zechariah <coughs> being getting ready to speak to to the crowd, and he, and he not the prophet Zechariah, uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And when his tongue was loose from not being able to speak. And when his wife, Elizabeth, had Mary, her cousin, come and visit her, it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when Mary walked in. So we can say, well, what does all this mean for today's Christian? Is there a message in this? And the message, of course, comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 begins by saying, be imitators of God as his children, as his dear children. How can we imitate God? And it goes on to talk about all the things of Christian living. Not be involved in the Things of this world, the immorality, the covetousness, the filthiness, the foolish talking. How do we? How does a person get such control over themselves? Have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. Finding out what pleases the world. Talks about the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And we will pick it up verse 15 of chapter 5 see that you walk carefully or wisely and not as fools redeeming the time or in our language you would say making the most of the time because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what is the will of the Lord And do not be filled with wine, or drunk with wine, which is overindulgence or dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. Now who is Paul talking to? Who is he writing to? He's writing to the Ephesian church. The same church who he said was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. They were filled with faith and the love of Christ. He's telling them present tense, what we call a present perfect tense, be filled with the Spirit. A present command, a continuous command. Be filled with the Spirit. You say, well, why would he say that the people that have already received the Spirit? And he talked about their faith and their works, everything has been known through all, and they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So why, as he's telling them to live the Christian life, to be filled with the Spirit? So we come to understand from this statement that being filled with the Spirit is a continuous command. Is continue to wait on God for. So now we meditate on the words of Jesus and what He said. But before that, I want you to think of what He's talking about when He says being filled with the Spirit he compares it to be filled with wine anybody ever see somebody being filled with wine what it looks like they're under the influence of alcohol now if I drank one glass of wine there would not be any influence of alcohol in my life but if I drank four or five then you would see for sure the influence of alcohol and the way I was going about my, you know, doing things. Slurred speech. Uh, unstable, not being able to stand uh, without stumbling and, and tripping while walking. There's all kinds of evidences of somebody being under the influence of alcohol. They make foolish decisions. They do things that they normally wouldn't do. They do they, they the things that they would never think of doing when they're sober they all of a sudden they start doing they think they're superman they pick fights with people that you know that they call beer muscles some people get violent they begin to pick fights with people that, that they never would have and get violent and get agitated and and do all kinds of crazy things why because they're under the influence of something under the influence of alcohol the Bible says. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is a raging. And those who tarry it long at them are not wise. Overindulgence into alcohol or, or other things. You see the influence of overindulgence. Not just alcohol, but other things. You see an evidence of it. If someone is filled with wine, filled with booze, you can see the evidence of it. And Paul uses that as a comparison to being filled with the Spirit. If we're filled with the Spirit, there surely, surely will be evidence of being filled with the Spirit. If we are not filled with the Spirit... That doesn't mean there's no evidence that we're a Christian. But when someone is filled with something, the evidence of it is much clearer and more powerful. And so that's why he keeps on making that statement over and over again in the book of Acts. And so and so being filled with the Spirit. There's evidence, the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. There's something clearly, a clear evidence that that person is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, Christians, be filled with the Spirit. So well, how does that happen? What do you do? How, is there any way we can get any understanding about how being filled with the Spirit? And so we go to the Gospel of John, chapter seven. Mm. Mm. John 7.37 On the last day, that great, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. He who believes in Me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart, or some say out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this He spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. The Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was speaking about a future time when the Holy Spirit would be given. But you notice how He described it. He didn't say, out of your innermost being, well, flow a, a fountain of living water or a creek of living water or a stream of living water or a brook of living water. He talked about a river. And it, and it agrees with the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the quantity, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So well how does that happen? And Jesus said, "Let him come to me and drink." It is through coming to Jesus that we're and 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 receiving from Him that we're filled with the Spirit. And they say, "Well, that happened when I was born again." And this message is to those who want to be born again, but it's not just meant to talking about a one-time experience. It's talking about a river flowing, a continuous thing happening. Out of inner as being will flow rivers of living water, something that's supposed to continue to happen. And when we feel dry and when we feel lifeless in our Christian walk, and we feel like it's just a think religion and it's all on our heads and we just feel really empty inside. What's the problem? We've got to continue to come to Jesus, to continue that's, that's that lifeline of life in the spirit of having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to Him on a personal level. he come to me. Jesus says, come to me, who you are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Do you think that's only to unbelievers, that message? No. We find ourselves being not at rest, not at peace as Christians too. And so we come back to Him to, to, to find that rest, that peace that eluded us. And we come back to Him to find that rest. And we also come back to Him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul told the Ephesian church to do that. Do not be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with the flesh. Don't be filled with carnal thinking. Be filled with the Spirit. The constant command. The next one is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Jesus was asked by His disciples teach us how to pray. And so Jesus gives a sermon on how to pray, and different parables and stuff like that. And at the end of this, He says, Talks about asking, verse 9, knocking. Verse 10 talks about seeking and finding. And then in verse 11 he says, If a son asks for bread any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? To those who ask Him. When I read all the instructions in the New Testament about being born again, about being converted, about being saved... I don't see anywhere where it talks about asking God to give them the Holy Spirit. But he says, how much more, as if it's in a quantity, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, coming to Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this may not agree with some people's doctrine, some people's uh, interpretations or anything else. Well, this is very plain language. Do not be filled with wine. Don't be under the influence of wine or the thing of overindulgence or the things of this world, of the carnal mind, of the devil, of the world around us. But be under the influence. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is the answer to us as Christians who are struggling in our spiritual walk. That we don't feel that tight connection. You know, many times I have, her brothers and sisters have come to me, you know, I remember there was a time when my walk with God was really on fire and I was on fire for the Lord and I just don't feel that way anymore. I don't know what's happened to me. Well, you have to kind of have a little inspection as what has happened. And as you begin to study what has happened, you backtrack, you find out, well, how did that guy get on... how did, brother, did you get on fire with God to begin with? What happened? What led up to that thing? So I was just, you know, really seeking God, and, and, you know, and I was really spending time with the Lord, and I don't know, it just started happening, and all this stuff started happening. Yeah. If you study the history of the church... And you see all these revivals happen. These, these moves of the Holy Spirit happen. And then you be, begin to s- inspect and backtrack and do a forensic study, so to speak, of what happened in all those. And go back and back and back to the very beginning, the origin of that revival. And you'll begin to find a little group of people, brothers and sisters, maybe one or two or three, beginning to pray for revival. And others began to join. And they began to seek God. And God began to move upon them as they sought the Lord day after day. And then it just grows. That's it. A life dedicated to seeking the Lord. And seeking Him. To seek Him. To be full of the Spirit. To be and, and to continually to seek Him. Day by day thing. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, fill us. Guide us, direct us. And then others, and as a group begins to pray that, then you begin to see more of the move of God. And before you know it, things gain momentum and snowball. On what, before, and down the road you have a revival. And you, and you have the move of the Holy Spirit on corporate way. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about on a personal level. How does revival happen in my life? I have said that myself. What I said, other brothers and sisters have said to me, I've experienced that myself. Everybody, it is part of the Christian walk to, to, to come to places of desert. You know, I'm in the desert. I'm in the wilderness. I don't like being here. This isn't a good place. How do I get out of here? Jesus said, let him come to me and drink. And then the river will begin to flow again. And it will flow as we come to him and drink. And a spirit, It's spoken in spiritual language. Certainly, we're not sitting here and, and literally drinking out of a river. Physically. It is a spiritual experience where we connect with God. When we draw close to God and God connects with us. And the Spirit of God begins to flow in us and the influence of the Holy Spirit becomes evident in our life, not only to us, but eventually it becomes evident to others. And then you can take down that white flag of surrender you put in your your front yard and all that running from the devil that we've been doing and all that getting beat up by listening to the flesh instead of the Spirit. And we can be the victorious Christians that God has called us to be. This says not to be unwise, but know what the will of God is. This is the will of God. That we should be filled with the Spirit. That we should be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That we should be exercising, we should be receiving spiritual gifts, and, if, and not only that, but exercising them. God may have given us gifts that we never even realized. We're not making the connection. Draw close to God. And He will draw close to us. And you'd be surprised the experiences that we can experience when we draw close to God. Not just once. You know, that's one of the problems. We draw close to God. We begin to experience revival in our life. And then all of a sudden it goes away. Where did it go? lose connection with how we started, how the revival started, how that, that experience started. We stopped coming to Him, stopped seeking Him. We get a little spiritually lazy, we get a little spiritually fat. We start enjoying the, the blessings of spiritual revival and we lose sight of how this all works. Jesus come to me. Let the rivers, the rivers flow through coming to me. Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. Anything when it comes to spiritual life. You can't do anything. No one can come to the Father except through me. He makes it very clear, narrow channel about how this works. Come to me, you will find rest. Come to me, you will find peace. Come to me, and out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We read the book of Acts. They came to Jesus. Not just on the day of Pentecost. No. It was a continual seeking God. A continual praying. A continual connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? It sure was evident. They had problems, and a lot of them, in the early church. But we still hold that up as the ideal of the blueprint of, of what a church should be like, in spite of its problems that developed. Problems are going to develop. But look at how the Holy Spirit was moving among them. Look at the influence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit among them. I'm not talking about Pentecostalism. I'm talking about what we're reading in the New Testament here. People a lot do a lot of crazy things with that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what the Apostle Paul said. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, we receive that message also from the Old Testament book of Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter forty beginning verse twenty seven. Isaiah 40:27 Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak of Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is been passed over by my God. You know this is people in Israel saying this? God's not being fair to us. I have a just claim and God's just passing over it. My way is hidden from the Lord. He's not not seeing, you know, what's going on in my life and all my problems. He's not seeing it. And so the prophet Isaiah, God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and this is what he says. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens, of the ends of the earth, neither faints, nor is weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might he increases strength. Even young men shall faint and become weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall man up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If we're weary in our Christian life, if we're fainting or giving up, it can also be translated giving up in the New Testament book of Hebrews. It says, We will not, we will reap if we don't faint. We don't give up. If we feel like giving up, our strength can be renewed. We can run and not be weary. It comes through coming to the Lord and waiting on Him. Just like Jesus said in John chapter 7, let Him come to me and drink. Our inner, our inner man can be renewed from day to day. The outward man is perishing Paul says, but our inner man is being renewed day to day. Some people can't hear this. They don't have ears to hear. Their heart is not tender. Their heart is hard towards these things. They're callous. But if anyone hears in these scriptures the voice of the Holy Spirit, take heed to them. Take heed that there's a reason why we're tired and we've grown weary and we feel like giving up and life has become too hard and we feel like we're walking up a, a, a mountain that we're not able to climb is because we need to come to Jesus and have that river renewed in us. Let Him come to Him and drink. Let Him come to me and drink. Be renewed day by day, by waiting on the Lord day by day. And being at peace in our hearts with God. Those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. Come to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me and He will give us rest and peace. If there is no rest in our soul and no peace, we're not coming to Jesus in the way He said. According to the truth and in faith. He said these words, do we believe them? Because he you doubts, don't let... Like, the Bible says in the book of James, let not that man think he'll receive anything from God. He's a double-minded man. And his life is going to be unstable. He's going to be like a rickety table. one leg is longer, just like rocking the boat all the time. Unstable. That's what our life will be unstable if we doubt the Word of God. And I can't make you believe the Word of God. Neither can anybody else. That's something that we have to wrestle with God about. Believe it or don't. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might He increases strength. You know, when I was a young man I had a lot of strength. I had a lot of stamina. I could run long distances. I could ride a bike long distance. But there was a limit to it. Even at that age I, could, I still got tired. You got you got pooped out after a while. You know, you just ran out of gas. That's what it says there. Even young men will run out of gas. But those who wait on the Lord, that's not going to happen. Our inner man will be renewed day to day. So however that fits into your doctrine or whatever else, the fact is, the Apostle under the influence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, says not to be under the influence of wine, to be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And each of us have to wrestle before God about that. Some will say, I don't have time for that. you remember the story of Mary and Martha? I preach on that every year. Once a year I give that sermon. Mary sat at Jesus' feet while He was preaching. Martha, it says, was encumbered about with much serving and she was mad at her sister because she was, quote, wasting time sitting at Jesus' feet hearing Him. Why don't you rebuke my sister and tell her to come and help me? Get ready for this feast. And the answer that Martha was given by Jesus, I'm sure it took her back. surprised her. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. And one thing is needful. Mary is chosen. You think she's wasting her time. You think she's doing you wrong. You think what she's doing is more is less important than what you want her to do. And isn't that the truth? Don't we get deceived into thinking some things that are not as needful are more important than what is most needful? Jesus drew it down to one thing. One thing is needful. She was sitting before the Lord Jesus and having, listening to him, having time with him, having a relationship with him. Was, and, and hearing what he had to say and talking with him was more important than all that other important stuff. If any man is thirsty, is that what we really want? Is that what we're thirsting and hungering for? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How much more Will will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will He renew us day by day if we come to Him and seek Him for it?